Uh, this morning I'm preaching a message simply entitled, Clay on the Potter's Wheel. Clay on the Potter's Wheel. Jeremiah 18, uh, verse 1 through 6. I, I've been referencing this story for the last few weeks, and so I think it's a pretty, I, I think it has something to communicate with us today. Jeremiah 18, begin verse number 1 says, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as the potter, says the Lord. Look. As the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. Now, now Jeremiah, let me just get right into it because I, I know we have some other things to do today. But Jeremiah gives us an illustration of how that God, listen, when everybody's, how many ever heard me say that you were born on purpose with purpose? I, I've said that for years. Listen, you've got to understand that no matter what the circumstances of your birth was, God designed you with a purpose. Uh, I, I've often said, and, and, and today some of our children and our youth have to struggle with, I've had some of them tell me that, well, my mom told me I was an oops, or I was a mistake, or I was unplanned. There is no such thing in, in, in creation. Everything is planned. Every one of us, regardless of the circumstances of our birth, was, we were born with a destiny. God created us. In fact, the Bible says that, that while we were in, the room, in, in our mother's womb, and I preached out of that when I talked about abortion a few weeks ago, uh, when, when, when God formed us, He already knew what we were to do. He had a destiny. He had a design. He had a, an intent in mind. And uh, I, uh, I, I, again, I really believe that if you look around today, there are many people that have never tapped in. They'll live their lives from the womb to the tomb and they never find out the purpose of which they were born. To me, that's one of the saddest things that could be said. How many's ever heard the little poem about the dash? You know, when you go out to the cemetery, you see a, a grave marker, and you'll have the birth date, and you'll have the death date, and then, and then you have the dash that separates the two. Well, for those who know that person, that dash is the summation of their life. Everything they've accomplished is represented by that dash. What does your dash say about you? You see, when we were born, that birthday, my birthday, November the 29th, 1965. Everybody go, whew, <laughs> long time ago. Hey, I'm at that age now where I'm having to scroll a lot faster on the drop-down menu to get to my age. <laughs> you know, it used to be not that far down there. But, but I was born on purpose with a destiny. And I didn't always walk in my destiny. I didn't always walk into my future. In fact, if you know my story, when I ran away from home as a junior in high school, I, I, took, a, I took a detour away from my destiny, and yet God's arm was not short. He always was reaching out to bring me back into my destiny. And I, I really believe this morning that, again, there's so many people that are living their lives without ever tapping into their divine calling and destiny. Here's the thing. I can't change my past. You can't either. But you can start today walking in a new destiny. That's what I want you to hear this morning. You can't change what you've done, where you've been, the good, the bad, the ugly, all that. You can't change any of that stuff. But you can start today walking in a new destiny and, and, and fulfill what God actually created you for. Listen, when God chose to call us into his kingdom, think about this. He committed to a long-term project. And I say long-term because you've got to understand, he's been working on me for 56 years. 
And there are people, you don't have to whistle, it's not that old. <laughs> there, there are people here, he's been working on a long time. But here's the thing, when I committed my life to him, when he, he committed to me that he was going to mold me and make me and shape me into what he envisioned that I would become. And he committed to it. It is a long-term project. So many, so many times, I mean, think about this. He, he covenanted within himself to bring us to a, a place in him that is, complete, that is complete in him that brings us the most joy and gives him the most glory. Think about that. God has a place for you that brings you the joy that you're looking for. It gives you the satisfaction that you're looking for. It fulfills you in a way that nothing else can, and it gives him all the glory. And that's what we try to find. That's what our job is. My job as a pastor is to facilitate ministry. If you've been around Bethel any length of time, I always say we're a yes church. And what that means is I believe that God brings in people that have callings upon their life and ministries that, that I am to help facilitate to, to get people to walk in their ministry. I think it's important that we do that because we find that place that gives us the most joy and the most satisfaction and it gives God all the glory. That's that place I'm talking about. But listen, so many people want, want to get to that place of blessing, but they forget there's a process. How many of you have decorative, I don't, I, I, I've tried to do this in early service. I don't, do you call it a vase or a vase? Maybe depending on how much you paid for it. <laughs> maybe, maybe something like that. Yeah, yeah, you know, when you look at some beautiful ornamental vase, like a Ming Dynasty vase, it it didn't get that way by itself. There was an artisan that, that put time and effort and creativity in making that thing as valuable as it was. And so, so oftentimes, here's what we do as, as individuals. We look at the, the finished product and we think, man, that's what I want to be. That's what I want to look like. But here's what we do. We look at the finished product, but we forget the process that got to the finished product. We, we forget all the stuff that went in to making that ornamental vase so, so valuable and so important. And, and here's the thing. Regardless of how long you've been a Christian, and regardless of how long you've been walking in the faith, you, you, we all have to confess that there's been a lot of work to get us where we are today, right? I mean, God's been doing a lot of work to get us to where we are today. We were not always where we are today. In fact, if the Lord tarries, guess what we're going to do? We're going to keep growing. We're going to keep growing. God's not finished with us yet. The old timers used to say it like this. I may not be what I ought to be, and maybe I'm not what I want to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. And I think most of us have that sentiment today that we look back at our lives and we think, you know what, thank God I'm not what I used to be. Now, I'm not I haven't arrived yet. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be, so thank God. See, we get hung up on the end product, and we forget there's a process to get to that end product. The Apostle Paul picked it up, the, this same idea in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, when he's writing to the Corinthian church, he said, listen to what he said, he said, don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators or idolaters or adulterers or homosexuals or sodomites, thieves or covetous or drunkards or revelers or extortioners, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. But listen to what he said, and such were some of you. Such were some of you. But, he goes on, but you have been washed, you have been sanctified, you have been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So think about this. Paul said, every one of us, the Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
Every one of us has a past that has been laden with sin. We were born in sin, shaped in iniquity. Paul said you were, some of you were, adulterers and fornicators and liars and cheats and things like that. That's what you were, but when you come to Christ, you've been washed, you've been sanctified, you've been justified. Justified simply, sanctified, set apart. Justified means just as I've never sinned. His blood has washed us clean. We stand before him clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And we're a new creation, okay? So, so we all have to remember that, that God has brought us a long way in our, in our life. I mean, when we're tempted to criticize somebody because they're struggling in their faith, and listen, in this world today where we have keyboard warriors and people that, are, that, that have more opinion than they have common sense, anybody know people like that? Don't raise your hand. I, we, they're, they're just people today that sit behind the computer and they, they, they lash it out and they, they dish it out and all that kind of stuff. Listen. Remember where God brought you from when you're tempted to criticize those who might be struggling in their faith. Because one time or another, we've all been there. One time or another, we've all struggled with, with our journey in the Lord. I mean, you see, you weren't always Deacon Dan. And you weren't always Elder Eddie or Missionary Martha. We didn't always live like the Apostle Paul or like Mary or Martha or somebody like that. God had mercy on us and he brought us to where we are today. The truth of the matter is in every one of us seated, seated, seated here today, there's a work in progress. You, you can't see it, but if you could see in the spirit realm, behind, around all of our necks, there would be a sign that says God at work. Because he's still working. What is he doing? He's making me. We used to sing that song, did we not? He's still working on me to make me what I, I know I don't sing well, but it's all right. It's the best I can do. He's still working on me. And he's still working on you. And he committed to that, that he's going to continue to do that. And you think about a sculptor. If you've ever seen any type of sculpting, I, I marvel at how somebody can see a, a, a slab of marble and say, well, I can, make a, I can make a horse. I can do a bust of Abraham Lincoln or George Washington or whomever. I marvel at that because you know what? When I see a slab of marble, you know what I see? A slab of marble. <laughs> that, that's it. I can't see it until I see it. But it's amazing to me to watch these sculptors that have that vision to be able to see not what it is, but what it can become. And they will start chipping away at everything that doesn't look like what they say it should be. That's what God does to us. God commits to us that he wants to make us and mold us into something he's already envisioned. And so he begins, so, so all around us this morning, there's a lot of spiritual jackhammering going on. And he's chipping away at everything that doesn't conform to what he's envisioned for us to live. I think that's important right now. See, to God, there is no more important project than the work that he started in each of us. In fact, Paul said, he who began a good work in us will do what? Will be faithful. Will be faithful to bring it to completion. So you know what? I'm going to get there. When I rededicated my life to the Lord in the barracks in San Antonio, Texas, when I went into the Air Force in 1985, he, began, he committed, actually before that, when I was a kid, I, I walked with the Lord, I ran away from the Lord. But in 1985, I rededicated my life, and he began that process. And you know what? He's been working on me ever since. And I'm not there yet. In that time frame from, from 1985 to where I am today, there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of chipping and there's a lot more chipping to do because there's times I'm marred and, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. But he's still making me what he wants me to be because he's committed to it. He's committed to it. And, 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 and you think about this. No other project's more important than that. 
I mean, if you look at the Gospels, one day Jesus comes and he gathers 12, these 12 men, the disciples, they were a bunch of misfits and outcasts. And he said, you know what? I'm going to use you to be the foundation of the church. And he said, and I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And you know what? Ever since that day, he's been using societal rejects and outcasts and nobodies and he's been building his church ever since. And you know what? He's still building his church today. He's building this church in spite of our flaws and our inadequacies. He's building this church in spite of an all-out attempt of society to say the church is irrelevant and doesn't. He's still building his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And, and, and I love that because most of these disciples would never get a job today. In, in our, I mean, they, just, they were just rejects, and they were outcasts, and people made fun of them. Aren't you one of those Galilee? Again, they, they dissed them and they talked about them. But yet Jesus said, you know what? I'm looking past this outer shell and I'm seeing what's in your heart. And I'm going to use you to build my kingdom, my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know, there are many pictures that God has in the Bible that kind of articulate how God is committed to that process of building us into a vessel of honor. But I love the story of Jeremiah. It's one of my favorite pictures. If you and I were to go to the Middle East today, Israel, I've been there and I've seen their pottery places. And it's amazing to me that, again, how they can take a a piece of clay and put it on a wheel and begin that process of molding and shaping and turn it into something that's collectible. Last time I was in Israel, I was able to bring back some uh, what's called Phoenician glass. Phoenician glass has been made the same way for over 3,000 years. And it's amazing to the process and, and how the sand and uh, the, the, the particular set that I have, is a, it's, a very, it's, a, it's a very deep, deep ocean blue with some gray in it. And that's all natural. They use no coloring. It's a natural process in the, in the sand when they, put, when they make that stuff. I'm just amazed at the creativity of these artisans. And yet, if you go there, you would see all kinds of pottery. I mean, they would be potteries. Uh, uh, the pots would be of different shapes and sizes. There would be some big ones and some small ones and some middle, uh, middle size or in between. Some of them are very practical. Some of them are ornate. How about that word? That's a big word. <laughs> some, of them, uh, some of them are very functional. So you have some of the pots that are made that are designed to hold food. Some of them are designed to hold water. Some of them are designed to hold whatever you throw. How many has got a junk jar at home or something? So whatever you want to throw in it. They're just designed to do different things. The diversity of the kingdom, that's really what it represents. The diversity of the kingdom. Some of them, again, are painted very ornamental. Some of them are very plain. And and if we're not careful, it would be easy to fail to see all the work that was done to make that vessel what it is. It would be very difficult. You know, we look at great men and women of God and we say, you know what, I'd really like to be like them. I really want to be like them. But see, we we don't realize what it took to get them there. We look at a Sunday school Sally or a missionary Martha or, or, or Deacon Dan and we think, man, I'd like to have faith like them or I'd like to be like this or I'd like to be like that. But we, we, don't, we didn't see the process that got them there. You see, we weren't there during those difficult times when they were broken, busted, and disgusted. We weren't there during the times where they were being tossed about on the sea of life and they felt like they were about to go under. And the only thing that brought them through was faith in, a, in, a, in an unfailing God. And, and, and I want to tell you this morning, if you look on your right-hand side and on your left-hand side this morning, I'll tell you, you're probably sitting next to a miracle. How many believe that this morning? That you're probably sitting next to a 
miracle. God started a work in you, and He'll be faithful to complete it. There's no other project more important than that. I want you to hear that this morning, because somebody may have told you that you don't matter. Somebody may have told you that you are a failure, that you're a letdown, that you're unimportant. Listen to this preacher this morning. I'm here to tell you that you are the apple of his eye and that if you follow Christ, he will inscribe you on the palm of his hand and there's not a devil in hell that's strong enough to take you out. Amen. That's a good place to do that. Listen, don't be careful about looking at the end product and say, I can never be like that. You know, when the potter got ready to make the vessel, some of you might, I mentioned this in early service, but some of you, years ago I preached on this text and, and, I, and I had went and I found this, uh, anybody know what, how to pot, anybody do any type of pottery here? Any, no? Okay, wow. I figured they would, normally in the crowd this size, there would be people here to do that. So, so anyway, when I, many years ago, I went and got an electric potter's wheel. I was going to do it upright. Now, listen, I have, I have no idea, I, I, I have no concept of what it means to be a potter. I really don't. So I got this wheel. I knew that they needed a wheel and you needed clay. So I got this electric potter's wheel. I set it right here. I would have done it today, but I, I'll tell you the rest of the story and you'll understand why I didn't. So, so I put this, this wheel here, plug it in, and I'm talking about this, the scripture. And listen, when God got ready to make us, again, we look at the finished product and say, that's what I want to be. But to get there, you know what he does? The potter reaches down and gets a lump of clay. See, every one of us, when God began that process, all he reached for was just a lump of clay. And so I reached down and I grabbed me a lump of clay. And I'd watched a few things on TV and I thought, okay, so here's what they do. They take that piece of clay and they drop it in the middle of the wheel. So I did. And then I knew that they took their hands and they put it on the sides of it. And then they started the, started the wheel spinning, okay? So we're all good right now. Well, again, I have, I have no idea. I didn't know what I was doing, still don't know what I was doing. So I put my hands on that thing, and I'm from deep south. So when I step on the, the gas, <laughs> I step on the gas. And so I floored that thing. And that wheel started, boom, and that, that clay shot right out over here by this door. <laughs> and I thought, I have no idea what, what I'm doing. <laughs> It, you know, and, and we'll get to that in a minute because that's, that, it, that mimics life, by the way. So, so when the potter gets ready to make that ornamental vase that we value so much, all he does, he just reaches down for a piece of clay. That's all he's looking for, shapeless, without purpose. Again, that clay represents fallen humanity, base, dirty, messy, without an inherent value, no excellence on its own whatsoever. But see, God said, look, I'm not looking for superstars. I'm not looking for superstars. I just want the clay. Think about it. He just, he's not looking for superstars today. Whatever God's called you to do, don't sit there and dismiss the call of God on your life because you think that you're not like this. He just wants clay this morning. He says, you know what? I don't need anything special. I just need, my touch is going to make it special. Give me the clay. I don't need anything valuable. My touch will make it valuable. Just give me the clay. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that God looked over and saw Mike Mizell and he reached down and picked up this lump of clay with all of my, all of my junk and my, my, my flaws and my disappointments and my letdowns and, and, and he put me on the wheel and said, you know what, I've got a plan for you, buddy, and I'm going to mold and make. I'm glad he decided to do that in my life. Each of us here this morning, listen, I'm not a, I'm not a superstar, I'm just a piece of clay. 
Just a piece of clay. I found out that God's in the junk collecting business. Right? He says, give me the old throwaways. Give me the rejects. Give me the, what do they call those clothes? The, uh, not hand-me-downs. Well, that'll work too. But those clothes that have an error in them? Seconds? Okay. Well, no, there was another word I was looking for. Anyway, irregulars. That's it. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> irregulars like get, give me the irregulars give me those that's what I'm after I'll take the the throwaways and I'll take the irregulars and I'll take the seconds and I'll take the hand-me-downs he said give me the clay and I'll bring treasure out of trash give me the clay and I'll bring jewels out of junk give me the clay and I'll bring glory out of garbage give me the clay and I'll bring diamonds out of debris that's all he's looking for is just the clay that's all he needs. Listen, and if you're willing to be the clay, he'll be the potter, and he'll make you into something you can't even... Listen, we've got so many superstars in the church right now, it makes me nauseous. It makes me sick. God's not looking for superstars. All he's looking for is somebody that'll get on the wheel and say, Jesus, use me. Oh, Lord, don't refuse me. That's it. God's been taking misfits and throwaways, and he's been altering the world since the very beginning. I mean, think about it. God says, give me a murderer like Moses and I'll make him a deliverer. He said, give me a dreamer like Joseph and I'll make him a ruler. Give me a shepherd like David and I'll make him a king. Give me a, a, a child like Samuel and I'll make him a prophet. That's all he's looking for is the clay. He has a vision and he will not take his hands off of you until that vision becomes a reality. Here's a point. I'm going to I'm going to bring this in for a landing. Here's the thing. Just like I tried to illustrate my, my little snafu with that potter's wheel, in order to make that vessel, that, that potter has to get the clay, put it on the wheel, and he begins to spin the wheel. And he take, here's the thing. The potter, because they're, they're, they know what they're doing, they know the amount of pressure to put on that clay to mold it. See, sometimes we get on the wheel of God's will and we feel the pressure and we think somehow we've made a mistake. But God knows the process. He knows what it takes. He knows the amount of pressure that needs to be applied to mold us and to shape us into what He's already destined us to become. And that's a lesson that we need to learn because sometimes we think that when we feel the pressure that we've somehow missed the mark. That's not true. When we feel the pressure... It simply means that he's exerting his pressure to mold us the way he wants us to, to be like. He places it on the wheel, and what happens is things begin to spin. That wheel begins to spin. That's the way it is in our lives. Whenever God begins to work in our lives, we start spinning around. Have anybody ever noticed that? Whenever you commit to walk with God, things start spinning. I, I told the early service, I wish I could stand up here and tell you that if you decide to make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, you'll never have another uh, a bad day. You'll never have another sickness. You'll never stump your toe. You'll never, the dogs won't ever disagree with you. I mean, I wish I could tell you that, but I can't. Jesus stood up and he said, in the world, you're going to have trouble, tribulation." That's, a, that's part of the message of the gospel. It's not being preached much these days. But Jesus said, hey, in the world, you're going to have tough times. You're going to go to the doctor at times, and the doctor's not going to give you a good report. 
You're going to go to the bank, and the bank's going to say, I'm sorry, you're overdrawn. That's the broken world that we live in. When you start your commitment to follow Christ, everything starts spinning around, and all of a sudden things look differently. I think one of the most prominent indicators that God is about to do something great in our lives is when things start spinning. This was a revelation this morning in the early service because most of you know I've been really struggling with some back stuff and actually some other stuff crept up I didn't even know about. And I thought, you know, as I get older, I'm, I'm really having to face, and I know we do this and we, we laugh about it, but the truth is, you know, I've been healthy my entire life. I've done everything I ever wanted to do, tough as nails, the military stuff, I, all those things that I enjoy. But I'm getting to a place now where what don't hurt don't work. <laughs> I, I, I'm just being honest. And, and, and with the back stuff and, and all these other things going on, I'm thinking, what in the world's going on? And as I was working on this message for today, I thought, you know what, that's it. That's it. Whenever God's about ready to do something incredible in our lives, isn't that, isn't that your experience too, that all of a sudden things just start spinning? And you're like, whoa, wait a minute, what's going on here? That's what's happening here. Whenever he's ready to do something great, we start experiencing that spinning just at the right moment when God is ready to bless us and do something great. All hell breaks loose. Things that you thought were stable are now spinning. That marriage that you thought was so stable and sure is spinning. Your children that you thought were so grounded are now rebelling, spinning. That job that you had been committed to and, and, and planned to live and work the rest of your life to that one place, all of a sudden things are starting to change, spinning, right? Your health, your health is changing, spinning, and you think, God, what's going on? Everything's spinning around, and you're wondering, what's going on? We, listen, we have this idea that when we commit to Jesus, like I said earlier, that the rough seas are going to smooth out. That's not true. It's not true. That's the time when things begin to spin seemingly out of control. And we wonder, did I really make a mistake? I'm talking to somebody this morning because when you left home, maybe online, maybe here in the service, when you left home, things were spinning in your life. And you were wondering, God, I don't understand. You know, most of you know my story. I mean, I still live with spinning. When my wife had her stroke 10 years ago, it was a struggle for me because, you know, going from a healthy 46-year-old, well, she was... I'm not going to tell you how old she was. Uh, that's not cool. <laughs> so, so, so for my wife to, in her 40s to have a stroke and become disabled, and now as a 46-year-old man having to be a caretaker of his wife, that's spinning. And, and over the 10 years, it has not slowed down. The spinning continues because every day it's a new adventure with my wife. It's a new adventure. And sometimes we wonder and we think, man, what's really going on? Listen, I just want to tell you this morning, if you left home today or maybe you're sitting at home and your life is spinning and you don't know what to do, God just sent me to tell you to, this one thing. Hang on. See, centrifugal force is that force that is exerted on an object when it begins to spin that makes it want to slide off. And you see, that's where our nature is. Whenever we start feeling the pressure and we start seeing things spin around, our natural reaction to that is to want to slide off. I'm here to say, stay on the wheel. God knows what he's doing. 
He knows the pressure to put on you. He knows how fast that wheel, how many RPMs it needs to, to circulate to get you to where he wants you to be. Stay on the wheel. Resist the temptation to slide off. Resist the temptation to, to, to say, you know what, I quit. I think that's what God sent me to tell you this morning. Say, you know what, when everything's spinning around, don't quit, don't give up, don't give in. Weeping may endure for the night, but what? Joy comes in the morning. It comes in the morning. Have you ever tried to slide off the wheel? Have you ever got a glimpse of maybe where God was trying to take you and it scared you? Moses didn't feel adequate to go to Pharaoh. But what did God tell him? Stay on the wheel. Stay on the wheel. Listen, God has a plan for you. Before you were ever born, God had a plan for you. God says to you this morning, I know that you don't feel like I know that you, 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 you feel like you want to slide off, and I know the pain, and I know how difficult it is to not know, but just trust me. People ask me oftentimes, Pastor, how do you deal, how do you maintain joy, and how do you preach the gospel with joy, knowing that, you know, with your wife's situation? And I said, you know what, here's the answer. It's not easy, I promise you, but here's the thing, I've learned to trust him. I've learned to trust him. And, at, and, and I'm going to say this, and I don't mean it maybe the way it comes across, but But if I were to wake up tomorrow and my wife has gone to heaven, there's no regrets with me. I would not be angry with God. I would not curse him. I would not stop preaching the gospel because I trust that he has my best interest and her best interest at heart. And I'll walk the path wherever he bids me to walk. I'll walk it. My prayer is God help me to stay in confidence with you. Help me to be able to take the step that you want me to take. Again, Paul said in Philippians one, be, being confident of this very thing. I didn't put that part in there. Being confident. Are you confident this morning that God who began something in you will bring it to fruition if you'll stay to the task? If you're not, you need that confidence this morning. Again, in the story of Jeremiah's, uh, uh, Jeremiah's Potter's vision, and I'm going to wrap this up. One of the things that the, the story, the narrative tells us is that when Jeremiah saw the pot that was being made, remember what he said? He said, I noticed that the pot on the wheel was marred. Marred. What does that mean? I think it's another condition of life. And that is sometimes in the life journey of faith, we get marred, broken, wounded, hurt. It happens to everybody. If you've not been betrayed yet in your life, hang on, because somebody will. And again, I, I don't mean that as a, as a downer. I don't mean that to be ugly. I'm just simply saying that in life, we're going to have the ups and downs. And we're going to be going along. And life has a way of throwing curveballs at us at times. And if you're not prepared for them, they can knock you for a loop. Knock the wind. How many ever been gut punched unexpectedly and it just knocked the wind out of you? And you're just, <gasps> you know, you're just sucking air, gasping for air. That's how life does sometimes. Jeremiah said, when I saw that vessel, it had been marred. You know what we do in our world today with junk? We toss it aside. We throw it out. Because it's not fit for anything. You know what he does with the junk, the broken stuff? Jeremiah says, I saw the potter make it new. (laughs) Make it new. Think about that. If you're sitting here today, if you're watching me online this morning and you're marred, maybe somebody in the church hurt you, maybe somebody failed to do what needed to be done or disappointed you or whatever, 
you're marred, He'll make you all over again. He'll make you new. Because He's committed to that process. Guys, come on back as I bring this in. We have so many believers today that are, and I really believe they're the walking wounded. I've been teaching on Wednesday nights. We, 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 we've finished the study, but I was teaching out of book, the book of Ruth. Naomi was a marred believer. Naomi goes to a foreign land, Moab, with her husband. She goes there with her two boys. While they're in Moab, he dies, the boys die, leaving her alone as a widow and her two daughter-in-laws. She comes back to Bethlehem and she says, they, they celebrate her arrival and she says, hey, don't call me Naomi, which means the pleasant one. She said, you call me Mara. Means bitter. Bitter. She said, because I went away full and I came back empty. But if you read the rest of that story, God had a process. There was a Boaz that was waiting on Ruth in a field who became a kinsman redeemer who redeemed they got married Naomi when she said don't call me Naomi call me Mara because he had taken it all away from me had no idea that God had already orchestrated her future that she would hold in her arms the son of Jesse and would be included in the lineage of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 1. What I'm saying is for you, what you're going through right now may wound you, have wounded you and hurt you and deeply scarred you. But there's a Matthew 1 waiting on you. You're in your story right now and you feel the, mar, the, the marring and the breaking of the vessel. He's committed to making it new the way he wants you to be. So this morning as I close, we're going to have a time of prayer because... Listen, I really believe that there's some folks that God's wanting you to step into your destiny. He wants you to stay on the wheel. Right now, things are spinning. You don't understand what's going on. Listen, I, I, can't, I wish I could answer that for you. I cannot. But I can point you to a man. I can point you to one who knows the beginning from the end. And if you're in a situation right now where you're marred and you're wounded, if you'll stay on the wheel, he will mold you again and make you new. And whatever your destiny is, you might be looking to a Matthew 1, a destiny that's greater than you can even begin to imagine. You say, Pastor, you don't understand. I've missed most of my life being involved in whatever God wanted me to do. Well, that's okay. You can't change the past, but you can start today walking in your destiny. See, that's the thing with God is it's not too late to step into the role that God created you for and gifted you for. That's our ultimate purpose. I want you to stand with me this morning. Maybe things are spinning out of control for you this morning. Don't be frustrated with God's process. Again, we want to marvel at the final product and the beautiful ornate pottery that we see. But it took a lot of work to get there. And when we see these great men and women of faith and we marvel at how, how all together they seem to have, have it. Listen, you weren't there in the midnight hour when they cried till there were no more tears to cry. To that mom that has children that are, that are serving the Lord in their adult life, 
you marvel and say, man, I wish my children were following Jesus like hers. Well, hang on. You weren't there the countless number of nights that she found herself by her bed on her knees, crying tears, saying, oh God, save my kids, save my children. That grandma that shuts up in her prayer closet praying for her, her adult children and grandchildren, saying, God, protect them. You weren't there. It's nice to see those things, the end product, but don't forget the process to get there. And the same God that did it for them is the same God that can do it for you if you'll stay on the wheel and let Him continue to mold and make you. As we sing this morning, here's what I want to do today. I'm going to ask our prayer team, I want you to come and join me down front here today. Some of our prayer team, some of the folks, if you'll come and join me, please. Olivia, Olivia, would you come? Elaine, would you come? In just a moment, they're going to sing. And as they sing, can I... Here's, here's what I want to say. If you're here this morning and things are spinning and you don't understand it, maybe you're hurting, maybe you've been wounded, maybe you grew up in church and you walked away from the church because somebody disappointed you, somebody let you down. It wasn't his fault. It was fallen man. Stay on the wheel and let him do what he wants to do in your life. Be healed from that wound. As we sing, would you come? If you have need of anything, if you want somebody to pray with you, I want you to come, and we want to pray with you. Go right ahead. Never turn your back on me. Didn't give me sight so I could never see the. Hey man, if you need prayer this morning, come on. You're always working in the wings. This is not the end of the story. Not the end of your story. He's still writing. This is only just the beginning.
have yet to see what I will do with you. You have yet to experience what I have in store for you. So I tell you, move forward. Do not stay where you are. Do not become complacent and satisfied. Pack up, move forward. I have a destiny that awaits you that if I could tell you and if I would tell you that your ears would literally begin to tingle. Do not put roots down here Keep moving forward, looking for that place that I prepared especially for you. Do not be dismayed. Do not be discouraged. Let not your heart be afraid because I prepared a place especially for you, saith the Lord. Amen. Amen.
Amen. If you're here this morning, won't you bow with me just for a moment? We're going to pray. If you're a guest, you just heard a message of tongues and interpretation as Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. These are ministry gifts that are given to the body of Christ, spiritual gifts that are to edify, to build, to strengthen, to encourage. And any time that God uses a gift of the Spirit, it's always because there's a purpose behind it. There's somebody here, and I'm going to close out in prayer like this. There's somebody here that's gotten very comfortable where you are when God has been trying to push you to another place, another level. And you'll never get there if you, st- if you, if you camp. What do you tell the children of Israel? You've been at this mountain long enough. Pack up and move into your destiny. With nobody looking around, if that's you this morning, I just want to pray for you in closing. Just slip your hand up. Let me, let me see you. Amen. You say, Pastor, you know, it's me. I'm, I'm comfortable where I, need, I am, and I need to move forward. Amen. That's how I know that this is the validity of what God's doing. God's speaking to some folks here today. Grab hold of what he's trying to tell you. You may not be familiar with gifts of the Spirit and things of that nature. I'm just telling you, let the Spirit speak to you. You know what's going on in your heart. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those that raise their hand. Lord, you're taking them to a new destiny. But Lord, to do that, they've got to get up and they've got to move. Lord, it becomes very easy in life to become comfortable where we are. It's a hassle to pack up and to move. But Lord, to get where you want us to be, we have to do that. We have to hold lightly to the things that are around us and move. And I pray, Father, today that every one of us here would recognize the destiny that you have for us is still ahead of us. And that you're in the process of molding and making us into what you want us to be. And it is a place that brings us absolute joy and peace and contentment. And it is a place that gives you glory. May we not be satisfied with a few trinkets here and there. But Lord, may we push on to the ultimate destiny that you have for us. I pray for husbands and wives this morning. I pray for parents and children this morning that as a group that we all move forward into what you created for us. May we not be at ease in Zion. May we not be comfortable where we are. But Lord, may we keep marching forward. Now, fathers, we go out of this service today. Lord, I pray that blessings would rest upon each family here, each person here. I pray those that are watching online, Lord, would sense the presence of the Holy Spirit in their home, in their nursing home, in that hospital room, wherever they might be. Lord, knowing that they still have a destiny, that we can forget the past and we can start walking in our destiny today. Give us a great day, I pray. May we rejoice in your faithfulness and your goodness. We ask it now in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Amen. Thank you for being with us online. I look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you and I love you very much. God bless you, my friend. What you started in me, you said you would come. If you're not done yet, then I'm not done yet. All the things that you've done tell the story of love. And you're not done yet, so I'm not done yet. What you started in me, you said you
When I doubt it, Lord, remind me I'm wonderfully made You're an artist and a potter I'm the canvas and the clay And you make all things Work together For my future